how many of you in here today are happily married? How many of you are married? Now, you better watch, you better watch yourself with uh, putting your hand up on the second one and not the first, if your spouse is sitting next to you anyway. All right, but okay, a lot of you in here are married. And, and let's, say, let's say I came up to you and said, uh, continue to work out your marriage. If I, if I said, continue to work out your marriage, what would that mean? Well, here's what it, it wouldn't mean. It wouldn't mean planning your wedding again, would it? It wouldn't mean, wouldn't mean getting a, a ring and proposing and asking your spouse to spend the rest of their life with you because you've already done that. You've already made that promise, right, once for all, some time ago. So what would it mean if you're married already and I came up to you and said, continue to work out your marriage? Well, it would mean, it would mean living in that love that you promised one another at your marriage, right? It would mean living in such a way that reflects that covenant that you made. It would mean, it would mean working at growing in how you love each other, right? Continue to work out your marriage would mean every day we're going to work at uh, living within this covenant we made with each other. We're going to work at growing how we show love, how we um, put my own interests behind yours and think of your interests ahead of mine because that goes against everything I'm designed to do as a sinful human being. So we're going to work at growing in how we do that, right? Isn't that what it would mean if I said to you, continue to work out your marriage? We're going to grow in it. We're going we're gonna to work at that. Well, listen how um, Paul opens up our text today in this letter to the Philippians, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So last week, we heard all that Jesus had done for us. He, he put our interests ahead of his own. He was willing to give up the full use of his divine power and become a man, become a human being, and then live, die, rise again for us. And by doing that, he gave us salvation as a free gift from God. He gave all that to us as a free gift. Therefore, our text starts out, therefore, continue to work out your salvation. Now, your salvation was a gift. You're not... We don't work to get our salvation because it's already been given to us. So uh, we're not, that, that isn't saying uh, work it out so that you can get saved, work to, to earn it. That, that's not what it's saying at all. You've been given your salvation as a gift. All right? Jesus died to pay for your sins. You, you, you couldn't pay for your sins. Then the Holy Spirit, he brought you to faith. He gave you faith as a gift. You couldn't even come to faith. You couldn't even make the decision to believe in him because that's a gift from God. Because you and I, we were dead in sin. So the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of faith. And when he brought us to faith, he made us alive in Christ. So now, now that we've been brought to faith as a gift, now this whole... Uh, package of salvation has been given to us as a gift now we're alive in christ and now we can work together with the holy spirit to live uh, obedient lives to be humble to be loving like jesus lived 
to, to bring glory to God, to let his light shine. So this is saying, continue to do that. Continue to work out your salvation. Continue to live in that love you've been given. Continue to live like the kind of people that God has made you to be. Continue to work that out. It's a daily uh, work in a sense as we live in this world because we're surrounded by the darkness of the world. We're trying to live as children of light and we have all these temptations trying to make it difficult. So work it out. Continue to doing what you're doing, but you, you have to work at it and God is going to be the one helping you to do it. Okay? The Philippians had been. They had been living in obedience since they had been brought to faith in Christ. And, but now, Paul, was, he wasn't with them. He's away at prison, remember, in Rome. He's not with them. And sometimes, sometimes Christians tend to relax a little bit spiritually when, when a respected spiritual leader is absent. I mean, what happens when people know the pastor is going to be away? I know because I have eyes on the ground. I know. And you know, too, right? Um, and it's not just a pastor or a spiritual leader. It, it's, it's, it's whoever it is that's holding you accountable to your faith. All right? Paul knows this. So he's saying, he's saying I'm not there, but continue to, continue to do this. Continue to work this out. And that's really the main point of these couple of verses Paul is saying, don't think that this work can't go on because I'm not there. I'm not the one making this happen. God is, okay? God is the one making this happen, not me. So, so don't think that just because I'm not there, you can't continue to live your life as Christians because the one doing that in your hearts and lives is God. He's the one enabling you to do that. Um, God is the one who is producing these good works in your lives. He is the power source. In fact, you couldn't do anything that is good. You couldn't do anything that gives God glory if God wasn't enabling you to do that. So, living lives of, of love and humility, that isn't natural for us. That doesn't come natural for us. That, that isn't how we're wired. Selfish ambition and conceit? Now, those are natural. Those are very easy for us. But God has made you different. God has given you the attitude of Christ Jesus. God has made you and I very different. And so, use that attitude of Christ Jesus that he's given us. The sin that you do, that's natural. The good that you do for others, that is supernatural. That is God working in you. That is God working in your life. So, let him, let him. Look at verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Ha, ouch. As followers of Jesus, we are called to do things that don't come naturally to us. Put away my selfish ambition. Give this stuff up. Love that person that I cannot stand? Yes. Yes, and not only do those things, but do them without complaint. Do them without complaining. Don't second-guess God. Don't grumble at what he expects of you. What parent is pleased with a child who does what he's told to do, but uh, grumbles the whole way through? No parent is pleased with that. So um, it isn't being done willingly. 
And when we aren't doing things willingly, when we aren't doing them from the, the heart, that isn't bringing glory to God. That isn't letting light shine in the world. That's work righteousness. That, that's, that's something done for a whole different motivation. So that's not going to do any good for anyone. Look at verses 15 and 16. Kind of getting to the heart of the text here. Let's dive into those. Right. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. So the Lord created this world with a, a straight path. Here's, here's how to live life. Here's the way I designed it. Straight path. But the world around us, the world that we live in, has left that straight path and become crooked and depraved, which is another word that means twisted or perverted. So uh, the world was evil at Paul's time, and it still is. The, the, the world we live in is, is in desperate need of light. The, the world we live in is full of darkness. Now, some people have called our generation that we live in, a, maybe you've heard this phrase, a post-Christian culture. So what, that, what that's saying is, is basically what, what used to be considered the norm is no longer the norm. Most people today no longer believe in the absolute truth of Scripture. It used to be normal for most people, if not everyone, to attend church on Sundays. It's, that's no longer normal. It used to be normal for people to more or less conduct their lives using the morality found in the Bible. That's no longer normal. We live in a culture today where things like um, divorce, adultery, uh, sex before marriage, living together outside of marriage, homosexuality are all accepted without question. Not too long ago, we used to call those things sin. Now we call them alternative lifestyles. People who still hold on to the Bible are called um, religious fanatics or old-fashioned or homophobic. The world we live in, the world that surrounds us, is full of violence, selfishness, abuse, godlessness in all of its forms. Crooked and depraved generation. Twisted, perverted. It's completely left that kind of straight path that God had designed it to work. So we live in a crooked and depraved generation in which we must shine like stars so that people can see the light and flee from the darkness so that people can see the light of God and come to give him glory. When you and I live God's way in this world, I, I, mean, I just gave a general description. If, I, if, I, if that didn't help enough, just read the news. Look at the news of what happened last night. When you and I live God's way in this kind of a world, we are going to stand out as much as moon and stars stand out in a dark night sky. We are going to stand out. Um, 
like the moon. Like the moon. Because that, that word shine like stars, really shine like all the heavenly lights. So you can include moon in there. So like the moon, we are reflectors of God's light as our actions show others what God is like. And like the stars, we are bearers of God's light as our words proclaim the good news of Jesus to people who um, are living in the darkness of unbelief. How do we shine like stars? We, we start by, you just go back to the message we heard and the, the text we heard last week, back there a little earlier in chapter 2. Uh, we live with the attitude of Christ Jesus. That is going to shine like a star because it's so opposite from what the world around us does. We live with the attitude of Christ Jesus. We live in love and humility. We put uh, looking not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. Love and humility. Without complaining or arguing. And that's what gets me. That verse 14, that nasty, nasty verse 14. Because how many days, you know, are you like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good today. I was, you know, I went and helped here, did that, love this person. You know, I'm, I'm shining like a star today. And then you get to that verse without complaining or arguing, you know, without grumbling. How often, you know, we're doing the right things, but we're, we're doing it because, you know, I have to do this and I'm not really happy about doing this. I don't really like that person, but I'm going to serve them. This is saying, live this way without grumbling or complaining. So if we haven't got you yet, that gets you, doesn't it? All right? And that's what it means because there's plenty of good people out there. I, I have all kinds of great neighbors who are so nice. But what, what is going to make you shine like a star, what makes us different, what brings the light of God into this world is, is, doing, is living this way without arguing and complaining. That's the attitude of Christ Jesus. That is the humility and love. Um, are we guilty of this? Yeah, we're guilty. And, and does the, the self-focused complaining kind of life that we often live doesn't that prevent us from shining like a star if if um if, if do we walk around sometimes in a constant state of misery and gloom when things aren't going our way because what is that going to what is that going to tell people about jesus if that's the way that we his children his followers act if you're suffering if you're suffering you, you'll be in my prayers. If you're suffering, remember that, that God has allowed that and that he has reasons for it. We need, to be, we need to live with a thankfulness for all the blessings that we've received from a gracious God. If, if, if all he ever, because I don't know all the different ways he's blessed you, but if all he ever did for you and me, if, if this was all he ever did for you and me, Give us the gift of salvation by the life, death, and resurrection of his son Jesus. We would have enough, each one of us, to spend an eternity thanking him for. But the thing is, he didn't stop there. <laughs> he has given us so much more. So much more. And our thankfulness will shine like stars in the thanklessness of the world we live in. So let's, let's grow. Let's continue to work out our salvation. So we're not just saying we believe in Jesus. We're not just showing up for church on Sunday, but we're living in a way that shows that we are. We're acting like it. How can we convince the world of the gospel if all we do is complain and argue? Instead, let's treat each other as Christ treated us with that amazing thing called grace. Friends, 
Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault. We so desperately need to shine like stars in this crooked and depraved generation that is in so need that is it is so in need of light so let's let jesus's light shine in our community being light reflectors being light proclaimers being light bearers that's really if we could encapsulate that is our mission here at cross of life that is why we exist as a church to bear that light to shine like stars in the community around us an artist, an artist wanted to once paint a picture that would depict the meaning of evangelism, the meaning of witnessing your Christian faith. And so he painted uh, a picture of a storm at sea. And it was, there, it was dark. There were uh, dark clouds, lightning flashing, and, uh, and definitely angry waters, uh, violent kind of sea and in the middle of that violent sea he painted a a little boat that was getting destroyed by the waves pounding around it falling apart and sinking and and in the midst of all those swirling waters he painted men struggling struggling to stay afloat in the stormy sea struggling and failing some of them desperately clinging to the sides of that sinking boat all of them with looks of terror on their face the only hope appeared in the foreground of the picture where a large rock stuck up out of the water. And there on that rock in safety and relief was one lone crewman. So it was a very moving picture. It wasn't hard to see that that the picture symbolized, that the storm symbolized the, the hopeless situation of mankind. And true to the gospel, the only hope of salvation was that one large rock, Jesus Christ, the only hope in the midst of the storm. But then the artist realized that something was wrong with this picture. And so he threw it out. And he started over, started another one. And it was very similar to the first. The dark clouds, the flashing lightning, the the little boat being destroyed in the angry waters, the, 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 the crewmen sinking in the water, all desperately struggling against the stormy sea, trying to cling on to that sinking boat, and also that one crewman safely on that rock for salvation. But the artist made one small change. The man was holding onto the rock with one hand while he was reaching down into the water to pull up a drowning friend with the other. That is what we are being called to do. That is what we, you and I, and this congregation is being called to do, to reach out to the community around us with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. To shine like stars as we hold out the word of life. We are called to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Now, this is really cool because that word can mean both, and your little footnote in the NIV will say this, that word can mean both hold out and hold on to. And both meanings work. Holding on to the word of life 
is how we are able to shine like stars. The word of life is what enables us to do what we need to do. So we need to be plugged into the word. We need to hold on to the word of life. You will never be able to shine like a star if you aren't connected to the word. We need to be in the word. Here, Sunday mornings, at, uh, during the week, at your home, on your own, with your family, with each other, we need to be engaged in the word. We need to be holding on to the word of life or we will never shine like stars. That's the power source, friends. That is how we can, that is what enables us to hold out the word of life, which means to give that light to others, to tell others what Jesus has done for them. That is holding out the word of life. So we shine like stars as we hold on to the word of life, which empowers us, and as we hold out the word of life, which shares that light with others. How are we doing? Are we shining like stars? You know there's a goal. You know we have a goal here. One of our goals in our objective, under our vision, Cross of Life, is that each one of us would bring one person or one family to church, into the church, per year. Are we doing? Everyone can check your own little list, all right? Put that goal up on your fridge. Are we shining like stars? Here's something frightening. Uh, I came across some statistics that say that 95% of all Christians have never led anyone to Christ. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he told us to go and make disciples of all nations. Okay? We need to shine like stars as we hold out the word of life. We need to let the light of Christ shine into this world. Light is only good Think about this. Light is only good if it is used to dispel darkness. We need to shine our light into the world, not just with each other. Light is, light is really only good in the darkness, not in light. What I mean by that is this. If you're a Christian, but you're only living like a Christian when you are around other Christians, so you're only letting your light of Jesus shine when you are around other people who are already shining... Is that going to do any good? In a sense, no. I'm not saying it won't encourage those other Christians, but it's not letting that light shine into the world. We need to shine our light into the world. We need to be, as Jesus said, to be in the world, but not of the world. Okay? To be shining on the world, you can see where we stand out against the world, but if we're not out there in the world shining, if, if, if the gospel message isn't being shared through our words and actions out there, um, the darkness isn't going to hear it. So we need to be in the world, but not of the world. God sends us to reflect the light of the world, and the light of the world is Jesus Christ. And if you make that sacrifice, if you guys make that sacrifice, if you serve that way, I would be happy to make that sacrifice along with you. In fact, I would find it a joy. That's what Paul uh, tells the Philippians there in verses 17 and 18. He's like, if you're going to make that sacrifice, if you're going to be living sacrifices, you can pour me out like a drink offering right there, which is the thing they did on the side of Old Testament sacrifices, meaning I'm, ha I'm, I'm happy to be in here in prison and whatever happens to me, I'm happy to sacrifice along with you if you guys are doing that. In fact, I would consider it an honor and a joy. Then, in these last verses, we're going to see a couple examples of shining like stars good and bad. So just follow along as I read 19 to the end. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, 
that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come back soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. So let's first take the bad example. Here is an example of not shining like a star. Look at verse 21. For everyone, and, and the word there is for people, people look, people look out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. I wonder if Paul was thinking about a man named Demas when he wrote that. Demas was one of his companions. He mentions him in two or three of his letters, just that Demas was along with him. Here's, here's an example from Colossians chapter 4. He says, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. You know, when he kind of sends greetings to people from the people who are with him. So he's someone who traveled with him on his missionary journeys. But then the last letter that Paul ever wrote was 2 Timothy. That was right, the, the, the final kind of will and testament right before the end, 2 Timothy. And here we hear in 2 Timothy, verse, chapter 4, verse 10, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Only Luke is with me. Because he loved this world. Friends, this perverted world can change us. If we aren't shining like stars, we're in the world, but if we aren't shining like stars in the world, if we're just kind of, if we're being in the world as followers of Jesus, but kind of just living in the darkness and not shining like a star in a very different way from the way that the world operates, our light can go out. This world can change us. Demas, because he loved the world, ended up deserting Paul. Because his, his, his interests were uh, for his own selfish interests and not the interests of Jesus Christ. If, if we're not shining like a star and living in a very different way from this world around us through the strength that God produces in our hearts and lives, we can lose that light. This world can change us. You know, if I only had that job, then my life would be perfect. If I only had that uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or that husband or that wife, you know, then they would complete me. If I only had more money, then life would be so much easier. If I only had that new phone, that my life would be better, you know, and on and on. And we can start um, thinking more about the world than the thing that's most important and the way we live to show our thankfulness for it. 
and, and friends, I've, I've, I've seen people whom I know who are strong, strong in their faith, but just enjoying a little bit of the darkness. Just, as, just for fun, just kind of allowing it into their lives, just enough to where it started becoming more and more and more, and I've seen that light go out. The world can change us. What do we need to do? We need to hold on to the word of life, okay? Stay on that rock. Hold on to that word. Because, because this dark world around us isn't just fine with us shining like lights in it, okay? Hurts their eyes sometimes. They don't want that. Turn that off, all right? They don't want to hear it. They don't want to see it. So it's not always easy. And the world tries to pull us into the darkness rather than letting us shine. All right, so there's, there's one thing. And the importance is, the, the thing we want to take home uh, about that is how important it is for us to hold on to the word of life. That's what enables us to shine like stars. That's what keeps us strong. Now let's look at a couple examples of shining like stars. First of all, Timothy. Timothy, who takes a genuine interest in other people's welfare. And uh, Paul is going to eventually send him there. After Paul learns uh, whether or not he's going to stay in prison or not, then he's going to send Timothy on to help them again. Timothy, shining example. We, we, that'd be a whole other sermon. And then, more, more uh, pointedly, Epaphroditus, who, verse 26, who longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. How often, when we are sick, don't we want to increase other people's anxiety level, right? We want them to feel sorry for us. So we walk around in such a way, woe is me, or, or whatever, because we want them to feel sorry for us. We want them to take care of us. We want them to know that I do not feel well today. And so I'm going to let you know in various ways. If I have to stick a Kleenex out my nose, I'm going to let you know that I am feeling awful today, right? But not uh, Epaphroditus. See, he is distressed because they heard he was ill. So that's stressing him out just because he was trying to hide it from them. They heard he was ill, so he's distressed because he, was, he didn't want them to be worried about him. That is, does, does that not just kind of paint a picture for you of someone who is thinking more about the interests of others than himself? Um, and, and by the way, he, he nearly died for the work of Christ. He, he risked his life to complete the, this task, this Christ-centered task that they sent him on. So honor men like that. Honor him. He shined like a star. He sacrificed his life for the gospel. Here's someone else who did. A man named Abraham Binninger. He was born in Switzerland in the 1700s. He and his parents um, sailed for America. But sadly, both parents died at sea. So here this, this young man found himself in, in a whole new strange land all alone. But in the midst of all that difficulty... He still professed faith in Christ. And, and then later on, as, as he heard about, as he heard about the, the misery and the poverty of, of black slaves on St. Thomas, he decided he was going to travel there and preach the gospel. When he arrived, though, when he arrived in St. Thomas, he found that it was against the law to, for any person but a slave to preach to other slaves. You see, the plantation owners, they wanted to keep the slaves in ignorance and superstition so, they, so no one could preach to them. No one could share Christ with them. So Abraham wrote a letter to the governor asking if he could be made a slave for life. So he said, I will, I will faithfully serve as a slave provided that I can then use my leisure time to preach to my fellow slaves. 
governor was very touched by this letter. He sent it on to the king of Denmark. And the king of Denmark was so touched by Abraham Binninger's willingness to sacrifice his freedom for the gospel that he sent an immediate order allowing him to preach the gospel whenever and wherever he wanted uh, to slave or free. He shined like a star. Here was a man willing to sacrifice his freedom for preaching the true freedom of the gospel. And yet we, we live in a society where we are free to preach the gospel. But how often don't we take opportunity or how often don't we exercise that freedom? Do you think, when, do you ever think of the fact that the, all the various people you meet on a daily basis, th does the thought ever kind of happen in the back of your mind that, um, that you, you actually think about the fact that that person is a soul, that that person has a soul, that that, that person is someone who, who could be in need of Jesus? So when, when you sit down at a restaurant as a follower of Jesus and a young man or young woman comes to wait on your table, does the thought ever occur to you that, that here's a person who has a soul? Here is a person who might need to hear about Jesus. Or are you just saying, just, just take my order and hurry up? How often aren't we just thinking that way? Instead of thinking, well, here, here's a person who, is, who may be in need of the light of God. Do you approach your involvement here at church with, with a heart attitude that says, how can I serve? How can I sacrifice? Because we can't afford to come in here and, and just sip our Tim Hortons and, and just sit in comfortable uh, chairs and just have comfortable words spoken to us. Because this is not just about our joy. It's about His glory. This isn't only about our joy. It is about His glory. And so let's not forget that the church is actually a group of people who are meant to represent the image of Christ to each other and to the world. And Paul's letter to the Philippians should be an antidote to our inclination to live with selfish ambition. Instead, we, we, we take up our crosses and we live in humility. And we do it without arguing or complaining. And at that moment, at that moment, we shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation as we hold out the word of life about Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.